at the time that God created Adam and Eve, there was only one God. And they knew that there was only one God. He walked with them in the cool of the evening. But as time went on, as uh, Cain killed Abel um, and ran for his life um, and settled down, there came a time when the righteous line that followed God, there was an unrighteous line where they also looked at the world around them and realized that they couldn't have come here by chance, um, that there must have been someone or something that created them. And so there arose false gods, false idols, but originally it um, there would have been some that just worshipped one god, um, it, which wasn't the god that, that Adam and Eve knew and that, that Abel and Seth knew. But they also looked around at the, the things that had been created and, and they worshipped the god of the water and the god of the sun, the god of the moon. They were very um, common ones, the god of the sun and the moon, because they were big, they were in their face. And it was a wondrous thing that we know that God created, but they looked at it and, and decided to worship that which God had made. Down through the ages, this, well, I guess you could consider it, well, um, and uh, I wouldn't call it an improvement in technology, but they, they had a, a, a difference in the way that they, that they worshipped. They actually created figurines um, that they would worship. They, they had an image that they would, they would copy down through the ages and throughout their civilizations, their, their different uh, nations that they had. Um, false gods like Baal, like Chemosh, like Dagon, which was very popular with the Philistines, which was half man and half fish. Um, and all sorts of false idols, false gods that people would bow down and worship instead of worshipping the one true God. And then you also get into um, God, false gods like Shiva, like Buddha, like many of the different religions had something that they worshipped, something that they directed their worship, their adoration, their time, their effort towards. These false gods, these idols, they still exist today. Yes, some of the old ones still exist today, but... There are false idols and false gods even in our Western civilization. They're not called that. People don't recognize them as such, but they still exist. They're not the same idols of wood, metal, or stone as the previous generations, but they're more insidious. They're an attitude. They're a way of life. They're a personal preference that people will live by that is completely against the way of God. We see that in the rise of things like evolution. You see, not that long ago, everybody knew that there had to be some sort of a God, that everybody had to, that that everything had to be created in some way. The ways in which people believed it varied a lot um, from the, the different sort of idols that we've talked about. But then there arose a group of people a group of, of men who didn't want to believe that there was a God at all. Who decided that it was too 
inconvenient that there is a God. They'd rather not believe in anything at all. They'd rather be able to be free to do what they wanted to do, their own choices, their own personal preferences, and not be restricted by the fact that there was a God. You see, when there's a God, and when you realize and acknowledge that there's a God, you start to realize that, well, that God might want us to do something. After all, He's created us, and so therefore, He might have a path for us to follow. And when you look at all of the different religions, there are different ways in which they had to follow and worship their God. And for us, it's no different. God has put in a way that we need to be saved. And He has put it down for us to follow to be able to please Him. So, there was a group of men, and and you look back at, at some of the early, they call them fathers of evolution, like Charles Darwin or his grandfather, um, who really started the ball rolling, they didn't want to believe that there was a God. They wanted to, to be able to make their own choices. And so they started to think about what on earth could have happened if there wasn't a God, because everyone else knew that there was some sort of a God. And so the only thing that they could come up with is evolution, that somehow by chance everything grew from nothing really everything came about from nothing because that is the only other possible alternative to everything being created and so that gained traction there were more and more people starting to believe in it until it reached a critical tipping point where evolution is now believed by many to be the correct way that life happened why because people don't want to believe in god anymore it's too inconvenient for them to believe that there's a God. It costs them too much. You would ask too much of them to believe in God. So they've invented a way that they can not serve a God. Evolution only exists because a group of scientists found it inconvenient to have a God. If there is a God, then he should be worshipped and he should be obeyed. It's inconvenient that there could be a God that could tell them what to do and what not to do. So they set about to find even any slightly plausible alternative to their being a God, something they could believe in. Evolution is a religion um, because there, there is no evidence. There will never be any evidence for evolution, no matter what they find or they think they find. The most foundational assumption of evolution is that there is no God. That is what the whole root, the whole foundation of evolution. And from there, when you take that as an assumption, the only possible way for life to have formed is by evolution. There's nothing else. There's no other, uh, other way. Otherwise, scientists would have come up with it by now. There's no other even plausible, even possibly credible way for life to have formed. And so because of the most primary assumption that God doesn't exist, therefore evolution must be true. And so hundreds of thousands of scientists over many, many years have done all that they can to try to prove that the theory of evolution is true. They've been putting all of their time and resources into proving that the theory of evolution is true, and it's still only a theory. 
No conclusive proof has been found to prove their theory of many, many years. They've had many years to try to prove it. They've had many years to try to find the missing link of which there should be millions of them in the ground of the earth if evolution really is true, but they've found nothing. Any proofs that they think they have found can all be rationally explained with respect to creation. If you look into creation and evolution at all, and you don't just read what the evolutionists tell you, but you look at the other side, you see that it's just as plausible, in fact, it's more plausible that God created the heavens and the earth, just like it says in the Bible. The scientists will tell you otherwise, that it is a known fact that evolution is true. You see, they've got They've got the floor now. Um, they, they, they have badgered, they have bullied, they have made sure that the schools have taught evolution. They have brought everything in just by stages, bit by bit, until it reached a critical tipping point and it's all normal. It's all believed by the masses now. And they may even say that it's been proved through the weight of evidence which they can't prove. They've taken the assumption that God doesn't exist and gone through many different stages and reasoning to get to the outcome that God doesn't exist. If you have something as an underlying assumption, you can't use that assumption to prove that the assumption is true. That just doesn't work in logic. Because... You can go through whatever reason you like, but an assumption is an assumption. For example, you have a closed box. You can't see inside it. You assume that there isn't a rat in the box. There are no sounds coming from the box. There are no chewed holes in the box. There is no smell coming from the box. And no rats have been seen or heard in the area for years. Therefore, there can't possibly be a rat in the box, and there is no need to open it to find out. You put the box in your pantry, there is a rat in the box. You see, they assume that God doesn't exist, but don't try to find out whether that assumption is true or not. They hold to that assumption and use evolution as a proof that God doesn't exist. But evolution is based on the assumption that God doesn't exist. So it's a tautology, they call it. It's circular reasoning. It's something that will always be true because they have defined it to be true. And so we find more and more that scientists, that people will believe in evolution because it is inconvenient for it to be any other way. I'm talking this morning about the God of convenience. And then we look at things like Abortion. Abortion was something that was abhorred not that long ago. It was believed to be killing babies, killing life. And it started to gain traction. Why? Because it was inconvenient for ladies to have babies that they didn't want. And so it gained more and more ground. Um, it, it gained popularity, little by little, little by little. 
and abortion clinics were were um, outlawed in my lifetime, but now they're common. And so it came to a point where it reached a critical tipping point. They made a definition that a baby isn't really alive until it reaches a certain number of weeks old. And I mean, then you get stories about failed abortions where they do horrific things, and, and, but some of them still survive. And if they weren't alive, then how could they have actually survived? And then you get, you know, someone giving a testimony I saw in the last couple of months, um, just on, on, on the news actually, saying that, you know, they, 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 were, they were the product of a failed abortion. Um, they, they showed a picture of, of the baby and, and the scars on it, and, but it was born alive. And uh, how can that baby not have been considered alive at the time that the abortion was taking place? And so the natural progression is that certain people are also trying to take it further to killing children that are actually born up to a certain age, like maybe a week or two. It's a gradual progression into, into, uh, of more and more into going against what God considers to be life. The Bible itself talks about that um, uh, one of the prophets that he knew him before his members were formed and, and God, God knew, God considers an unborn baby from the time of conception to be alive because it is. It goes from that particular point in time and it grows. It grows and it grows. It's alive and it comes and in the natural course of things it gets to the full term of the pregnancy and it gets born. And we find ourselves in our modern age not much different from the child sacrifices to idols in the Old Testament times. To Baal in particular, which was the god of fire, and they made their children to pass through the fire. That doesn't mean that they got slightly burned. It means that they died. They actually sacrificed themselves, their, their children, to the god, their idol that they worshipped. But this time, they're sacrificing their children to the god of convenience. They committed the sexual act, and now they don't want to be saddled with the natural consequences of their choice. It's inconvenient to have a child when you just want to have a good time, when you don't want to change your lifestyle. It's too inconvenient. So let's worship the God of convenience. So just to make myself perfectly clear, this God of convenience that we're talking about it's not a real God, it's not a physical carved idol, but it's an attitude. It's something that has seeped its way into our modern times. The catch cry of our age and our upcoming generations is convenience. People are always talking about convenience. For example, that's not a convenient time when you want to make an arrangement to meet with someone or to do something with someone. You see, what they're really saying is, well, they could make alternative arrangements, but it would require effort and it's all too hard. It's inconvenient. Everything needs to be laid on a plate or it's just too difficult. What's the name of the store just down the road from you? It's called a convenience store. 
you don't want to go all the way to the shops? Well, there you go. There's something convenient for you. If it's inconvenient, this is the spirit of our age, what can we do to bend over backwards and make it more convenient for you? Can we bring in new and better technology or new ways to do things to make your life easier? Some people are waiting for new technology or new ways of doing things to arrive before they try to do particular things. Oh, I won't do this until, you know, it's easier for me to do or, you know, you, you reduce the requirements. Otherwise, because otherwise it's just too inconvenient. They're not willing to do what it takes to do that activity. The world needs to meet them at their level. Otherwise, they're not going to play the game. God, forgive, God forbid that they get put out in any way or need to put in hard work and sacrifice to get something done. If that's the case, they'd rather do something else instead. There's plenty of other things to do. There are other cool things that don't take any personal sacrifice that are fit in right with the way you want to do things. We even read about it that the same sort of spirit in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 24 and verse 24, um, the Apostle Paul had been, well, imprisoned and he'd gone through trials. And it's talking about after he'd been through a particular um, trial, um, he'd, he'd gone before the, the leader of the time of that area. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. He was interested. He wanted to know more about this God. He wanted to know more about this Jesus Christ that was all the, all the well, everybody was talking about, um, either good or bad at the time. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. He wanted something under the table as well. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, he thought about it for two years, but did nothing. Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. So not only did he not do what he what he was hearing not only did he not listen to what god wanted him to do but he also did things that would cause the jews a pleasure in leaving paul bound he went the opposite way you see that convenient day never came for felix and those looking for convenience will never get anywhere with god because god requires commitment obedience, and sacrifice. Without those, you can't follow God. And those three things will never be convenient to anybody. The people of the world will always worship the God of convenience, and more and more as the technology grows, as the age grows. But these things should never be in the church. And we find that more and more today, the denominational churches 
are starting to worship the God of convenience. Socially, homosexuality is approved by the general population. There was a referendum just relatively recently and the majority of people said that they thought that homosexual marriages were okay, were all right. And going along with that, there are quite a few churches that had a look at the Word of God and decided to ignore it, basically, because God is very specific in his uh, condemnation of homosexuality. Because it wasn't convenient for the churches to still believe what the Word of God believed, they decided to change the Word of God. They decided to change everything that God had put into His Word to make it more convenient for people to come to church and to worship. Well, I'm not sure if they're really worshipping God. And I expect that to happen with more and more churches as time goes on. But God forbid that it should be in our church. More and more denominational churches are making it convenient for people to come to church. They don't preach about commitment. They don't preach about sacrifice. They don't preach the way that people need to get saved. They want people to feel comfortable in their services. And you will find that that is the exact word that they use. They want it to be convenient for people to come and to worship God without any personal commitment at all. I'm not preaching against leisure and relaxation. Leisure and relaxation are good and we need them. God has made us to rest. God rested after he created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. So it's a godly principle that we rest and that we relax. But when convenience starts to contradict and go against God's word and his principles, it needs to be cut off from the church and from our lives. It doesn't belong in our lives and it doesn't belong in the church. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, talking to um, one of the pastors of one of the churches in those times, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Convenience fits in there. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres, these were um, the, the, the false um, prophets um, in Moses' time of Pharaoh when he went to them. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. 
But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest to all men as theirs also was. It's not talking about these things being in the world. These things are already in the world, and they already were back in those times. But it's talking about these things being in the church. God was saying through the Apostle Paul that these things were going to be in the church in the last days. And we're in the last days now. We're very much in the last days. You see, an idol is just something that we put in higher regard than God. That's really all an idol is. So what are the ways that we can worship the false god or idol of convenience in our day and in our church? What about prayer? It's inconvenient to pray, so we don't make the time. You see, we all miss prayer from time to time. We're human. We make mistakes. We're not perfect. But it shouldn't be a habit, and it shouldn't be our natural state to not pray. God has called us to prayer. God does things in prayer. God meets with us in prayer. God changes situations in prayer. He wants us to pray. But it shouldn't be inconvenient, so inconvenient to pray because of our busy schedules, because of everything we have to do, that we don't make the time to pray. God honors us when we pray, when we make that time from our busy schedules. In companion with that, reading the Bible. It can be inconvenient to find time in this busy world to sit down and read and study God's Word. But God has called us to do that as well. We should know what's in God's Word. It's His words to us. It's, it's what He wants us to do. It's, it's how He can talk to us. He can encourage us. He can give us the answers to our situations through reading His Word. He can reveal great revelations through His Spirit when we read His Word. It can have a huge impact on the way that we follow God through reading His Word. Don't let it be inconvenient. Too inconvenient to make that time to read His Word. What about attending church? It can be inconvenient to come to every service. Yes, there are situations where people can't be at every service due to specific situations like shift work and stuff like that. But God forbid that the main reason that we aren't in church every service is because that it's just too inconvenient. God forbid. Or that it would be too much of a sacrifice of our precious time. We need to be in church. We need to be with God's people. We will find encouragement in the church. We will find a lifting up of our spirit. We will find strength to get through the rest of the week. We will find a, a connection with God. We will uh, let Him speak to us. He can, he can get rid of our situations that are causing us to not be able to come to church when we just make that time. You know, I've, I've read of people and rid of it so much nowadays um, but you also hear about it in other, in other countries where people would travel hours just to get to church. And it can be a common state in some of the third world countries where we have people following God. They'll walk for hours just to get to church. And they do that week in, week out, week in, week out. There is a commitment 
that we don't find with many people today. Don't let it be too inconvenient to get to church. It can be inconvenient, it can be inconvenient to be involved in the church. It can be inconvenient to come to special events, including men's, ladies, and youth activities. Our lives are busy, but when we put aside the time, when we make the effort, when we don't allow the inconvenience to affect our attitudes or our ability, or what we think is our ability to get, to be encouraging to our brethren, to encouraging to our men, our ladies, our youth, then we'll be able to be blessed when we come. You will build relationships within the church. You will encourage each other. You will help each other to walk with God when you get involved. You see, God is not a God of convenience. Our God is not a God of convenience. If I could get someone to the piano, please. God created the heavens and the earth. God created us. God created the way in which we need to walk. That's changed down the ages. But God has still put it in a way that we need to follow. God calls us to follow Him. And by definition, following Him means that we're not following ourselves. We're not doing just what we want to do. We're not allowing circumstances and situations to dictate to us the way that we follow God. You see, it can be very inconvenient to follow God. It can be very inconvenient to do what God has asked us to do. But God isn't calling us to convenience. God isn't calling us to... Follow God the way that you want to, or just as far as you want to, but He's calling us to follow Him. He's calling us to do everything that He asks us to do. And that's going to be inconvenient. And there are times it's going to be incredibly inconvenient. And there are times we're going to have to sacrifice things that we'd rather not. There's going to be consequences sometimes for following God. And that's true. There may be, but God, when He sees your commitment, when He sees that you respect His will, when you respect what He has put down in His Word, when you follow what God wants you to do, then there are blessings. Then there is encouragement. Then there is the miraculous then there is deliverance. But it's not if you just want to worship the God of convenience. It's not going to happen if you're not in His house every time you can be. You never know when God preaches the message that you desperately needed to hear, but you're not here. (laughs) You miss out. And God wanted to completely change you. God wanted to completely turn the situation upside down. But because it was just too inconvenient that morning, that night, you didn't come. You decided not to come. I'll just give it 
I skipped this morning. When that was the morning that God was going to set you free. Or that was the evening that God was going to change your life. Don't listen to the voices of this world. Don't get caught up in the spirit of this age, in the spirit of this world. Don't just do things because they're convenient. That's not following God. But God wants us to follow Him. God has called us to a commitment, to a walk, and to all of the blessings and to all of the victory that follows that.